I'm going to share a brief word with you. And uh, I've entitled it, The Savior is Born. Would you please say that with me? The Savior is Born. Now, I want to start just with this question. As we look at Christmas generally, Christmas around the world and so on, the question is, what is Christmas all about? What is Christmas all about? And don't worry, I'm not going to spoil anybody's fun and say, oh, no, this is bad and that's bad and this and so. But my question to you is, what is Christmas all about? And uh, is it about Frosty, our lovely snowman, which we never see in South Africa, by the way? Is it about Frosty? Is Christmas about the tinsel? We see tinsel all over in the shops and in our homes and so on. Is Christmas about Quality Street? <laughs> Some people say, yeah, now we're talking. <laughs> Quality Street chocolates. Is Christmas about Boney M? Some people still think so. You know? <laughs> wow. I must say, some of the Boney N songs, I wish I could just delete, but there are still a couple of really nice ones, but you know, you can't go through a Christmas time without hearing Boney M at some point in time. Is Christmas about Boney M? Is Christmas, I ask you, about chestnuts? Now, you know the song, Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire? I'm not even sure if, if, if we saw a chestnut, we'd even know what a chestnut is. Now, let me ask you a question about chestnuts, because it says chestnuts roasting on open fire. I want to ask you this question, but listen, you have to tell the truth because you're in church. Now, my question is this, how many of you, in all honesty, you have roasted chestnuts on an open fire? Now, come tell the truth if you have. Raise a hand if that's you. Um, okay, one, two, three, four, five, six. All right, well, that's pretty good. D do they taste quite good, Manny and Corin? <laughs> Your wife is going, yes, and you're going like, maybe. <laughs> okay, so maybe in South Africa, it's not about chestnuts. What is Christmas about? Is it about roast lamb? Mm. Is it about turkey? Is it a bryflace because of? Lord Shedin. <laughs> is Christmas about gammon? Is it about the trifle pudding? Is it about the Enos afterwards? <laughs> or the Rennies? <laughs> now these things can be fun, except the Enos. But here it is, folks. We want to put Christ firmly into Christmas. Amen? Absolutely. Jesus Christ centrally into Christmas. And I want to say to you, listen loud and clear, the whole reason for Christmas is that Jesus Christ was born 2,000 years ago and he split history in two by his coming. Wow! 2,000 years ago, the Savior was born and history was changed forever. History was split into two. Now that is significant. Now that is a big deal. Come on, some of you are too quiet. That is a big deal. And things would never be the same again. 
Now, may I ask the question this way? Biblically speaking, what is Christmas all about? And the answer is salvation. Please say that with me, salvation. You see, when you examine the core message, when you distill it right down to its core, it is about salvation. Bible scholars also agree that the essence of Christmas is salvation. And so the core purpose why we're here today is because our Savior is born. Savior, it's about salvation. There are three points I'd like to share with you. Number one, Jesus still saves people from their sins. He is our Savior. Do you believe that? Can I ask you to say it aloud with me? Jesus still saves people from their sins. He is our Savior. And it says in Matthew 1, verse 21, this is the angel speaking to Joseph. The angel said, and Mary will bring forth a son and you shall call his name, say it, Jesus. Say it again, Jesus. For he will save, that's a very important word. He will save his people from their sins. So the question is, why call his name Jesus? Because the name Jesus means savior. Do you know that? Jesus means savior. That's why he was given that name. And ultimately, he would save. And ultimately, he would deliver his people at Calvary's cross. And he would save them from the power of sin and from the penalty of sin. And you know what? Jesus fulfilled his mission. <laughs> he fulfilled his mission. It was fully accomplished. That's why on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. My mission is done. Therefore, God has exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. And so, yes, Jesus was the baby in the manger, but that baby grew up and became the savior of the world. So in your thinking, don't just limit him to the baby in the manger, see him as the savior of the world. Jesus means savior. And then I think of the name Jesus meaning savior. I think of the song, what a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus, Savior, Jesus Christ, my King. It says in Luke 2, verse 11, the angel said, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And so notice how the angel referred to Jesus as Savior. Do you see him as Savior? One of the questions that would be asked, I guess, in the world is this question, well, do we really need a savior? I mean, why, why, why do we really need a savior? What's this all about? And I wanna say the answer is absolutely yes, we need a savior. Otherwise, we would be stuck in our sin and in our corruption, and we had no way of getting out, but we had to have the intervention of God to get out of that condition. So we definitely need a savior. It says in Romans 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Do you realize that 
sinfulness and corruption go together. Think about that. Sin and corruption go together. You see, many times people think, well, corruption is just a problem in South Africa. But you know what? It is a problem in the heart of every man and every woman around the world because it is a heart problem. When you see corruption, it is a heart problem. That's why there is corruption everywhere. There is not a nation on this planet that you can go to that is free of corruption. Maybe there's a little bit less here and there. But I want to tell you, there's corruption everywhere. There's corruption in football. We've seen that recently. There's corruption in cycling, in the Olympics, in Russia, China, America. There's corruption in pharmaceuticals, big time. We've seen stuff coming out regarding that. There's corruption in education, in Hollywood. There's corruption in news media, in the government. And by the way, did I mention that there's corruption in the government? There's the cor corruption in government. <laughs> you know, there is so much corruption, and the reason is because the heart of man is desperately wicked. That is, the unregenerate heart is desperately wicked. And it says this in Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Listen to this. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. But I have good news to tell you. Listen to this. Only Jesus can change the heart of mankind. Come on, only Jesus can change the heart of mankind. Nobody else can change the heart. And that is exactly what Jesus came to do. He came to transform the heart. He came to take out the heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. And may I ask you today, are you still happy about your salvation? When you think about it today, are you still happy that you saved? Are you happy that you saved? Come on, amen. And David said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And so let's never lose sight of the wonder of our salvation. It should be uh, something that fills us with great joy. Number two, the gospel is still the greatest news of all. Never be ashamed of the gospel. Is that speaking to anybody today? It's the greatest news of all. Never be ashamed of it. Now, the word gospel literally means good news. And it occurs 93 times in the Bible. And I was just thinking about bad news as opposed to good news because if there is good news, then there should also be probably bad news in the world. And the truth is there is. The bad news is an unrepentant sinner will be lost forever. That is terrible news. But the good news is that you can have eternal life in Jesus Christ. Eternal life. Please say eternal life. Eternal. We can have eternal life in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Now here's the gospel in a nutshell. Romans 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, take note, it's a gift. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I think to myself, why would anybody reject eternal life? No, no, no. Rather accept the free gift that Jesus is offering to you. The free gift. You don't have to work for it. You just have to place your faith 
in God to be able to experience it. And by the way, I notice in that verse we just read this phrase, wages of sin. The wages of sin is death. Wages are what you work for, for an employer uh, to, to receive for work that you have done, the wages. But you know what? You can work for the enemy and live a life of sin, but let me tell you, he is a cruel tyrant and a cruel taskmaster, and the enemy will pay wages in the form of death. So we don't want that. By the way, I met with an evangelist this week, a uh, lovely man who is an evangelist in the Philippines, met with me in my office this week, and he was just telling me about the work that they do there, and they don't go to maybe the, the big places that the well-known evangelists go, they go to some of the, the harder to reach areas, and they go and minister and have some crusades, some open air meetings here in these regions of the Philippines, and he reported to me that over the last few years that they have had 6,500 people in these hard to reach areas find salvation in Jesus Christ. And I thought to myself, praise God, amen, wonderful. But here's the thing, they found eternal life. They did, they found eternal life in Christ Jesus. They received this free gift of eternal life and that is what it is all about. By the way, if we reject the gospel, do you know that we are embracing the bad news? I'll prove it to you. John 3 verse 18 in the NIV says the following. It says, whoever believes in him, that's Jesus, is not condemned. But then it says, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And so I wanna say, let's rather believe in Jesus with all our hearts. Let this time of Christmas be a time of renewing our faith and our trust and belief in the Lord. And under this aspect of not being ashamed of the gospel, there's this well-known scripture, Romans 1, verse 16, it says, for I am not ashamed. Would you please say not ashamed? Say it a bit louder, not ashamed. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. That same verse in the message translation puts it this way. It says, it's news I am most proud to proclaim. This extraordinary message of God's powerful plan to rescue everyone who trusts in Him. And so I wanna say that it's important to realize that we should never be ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is a bold message. The gospel is a powerful message. It is a challenging message. It is a transforming message. It is a saving message. But can I say to you, please, never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. Never be ashamed that you are called by his name. No, after all that he's done for us, we can never be ashamed. Why don't you tell the person next to you, never be ashamed of the gospel. Tell them that. Never be ashamed of the gospel. And it is the Apostle Paul that wrote these words. 
Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Do you know when he wrote these words? It was before he was gonna be taking the gospel to Rome which was a quite a difficult area to reach in that the sophisticated Romans would probably mock and ridicule Paul for bringing the message there. But you know what? Despite whatever you know, mockery or ridicule, Paul was a man who was not ashamed. He would not let it deter him. And Paul understood that this simple gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Let me tell you, the gospel is so simple that some people, it's a stumbling block to them. They trip over it because they say, can it be this simple? And yes, God has made it simple because he doesn't want anyone to perish, but that all should come to Jesus Christ. So Paul understood this gospel is simple, it is powerful, it changes lives. Still today, in December 2022, can I get an amen? amen? So the gospel powerfully transforms lives. Listen to this. Every sermon needs the gospel. Every worship song needs the gospel. Every small group meeting needs the gospel. Every mission effort needs the gospel. Every heart needs the gospel. And every day, let us stick to the gospel. Amen? Praise the Lord. Point number three is the last point I wanna share with you. This is something which I find very beautiful. The moment you behold Jesus is the moment you see your salvation. Now, come on, can you say that aloud with passion with me? The moment you behold Jesus is the moment you see your salvation. And I wanna tell you just this little story to back up what I'm saying. So there was a man at, at the time of Jesus' birth. There was a man living in Jerusalem. His name was Simeon. Simeon was a devout man. He was dedicated he was a righteous man, and he was eagerly awaiting the revelation of the Messiah. And here's the interesting thing. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ child. That's amazing. Imagine that. Imagine God gives you a word. You're not going to die till you see Jesus. Praise God. And so what happened was the Holy Spirit supernaturally led Simeon into the temple on the day that Mary and Joseph came to present him unto the Lord. And this is when Jesus was eight days old. But listen to this. You know the amazing thing is there, Simeon was being led by God, led by the Holy Spirit. You know what this tells me? That God knows how to bring you to the exact right place at the right time, with the right circumstances, with the right people to fulfill the destiny for your life. Give God a hand, come on. He knows. What does it take from your side? It takes being led by the Spirit. I'll be led by the Spirit, thank you God. I'll be in the right place at the right time. And so here it says in Luke 2, verse 27 to 33, it says, so he, Simeon, came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do, according, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he 
took him up in his arms. Now, this is Simeon taking up Jesus in his arms. Can you imagine? He's been waiting for this. He took him up in his arms. He blessed God. And then Simeon said the following. He said, Lord, now you are letting your servant die in peace according to your word. Now, listen to what he says. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all the peoples a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And so here it says in verse 33, and Moses, sorry, and Joseph and Mary marveled at the things that were spoken. Imagine you bringing your child just to be blessed at the temple. Next thing this guy Simeon is picking up your baby and rejoicing and saying things which are blowing your mind, wow. And so what's the big idea behind all of this is that the moment Simeon saw Jesus, he exclaimed, for my eyes have seen your salvation. This was an amazing moment. And I wanna say in exactly the same way, the moment you behold Jesus is the moment you see your salvation. Come on. The moment you see Jesus, the moment you behold him is the moment you see your salvation. And so I find it hugely significant out of everything that is said here is this phrase in Luke 2, verse uh, 30, where he says these words, for my eyes have seen your salvation. In other words, Simeon was seen the Savior. Once again, right at the core of Christmas is the Savior. And so I wanna say loudly to you today, Jesus is our salvation. Say that with me, Jesus is our salvation. He is your savior, he is your righteousness, he is your deliverer, he is your redeemer. Now can somebody say hallelujah and give God a hand of praise? Amen. Hallelujah. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Let's stand together as we pray. And so Father, we want today to say together with Simeon, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Say that with me, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Jesus, you are our Savior. And on this Christmas day, we just lift our hands to you. May I invite you just to lift your hands to the Lord and just to thank him. Thank him for being your savior. Thank him for being your redeemer. Thank him for being your deliverer. And so Father, we thank you that we can greatly rejoice in you today for all that you have done. And because of all that you have done, we're asking you that in this day, and in this little time ahead of holiday and rest, we pray that you would fill us with such joy that we would not be stressing, but that we would be rejoicing in the God of our salvation. We say amen and amen. Would you say amen? Amen. 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 Hallelujah.